How do we find our way when we hear the words, I'm leaving, I don't love you anymore, you're bankrupt, your son has autism, you have stage four prostate cancer and you're fighting for your life? Like These are those tough questions that we have to figure out how to find our way. And one of the things that I believe in, and it is how I found my way, is that sometimes we just have to ask for help. Welcome back to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. My name is Mike Flynn, and I am honored to be your host. Our mission here on the Impact Entrepreneur Show is not just to inspire you, but also to help you tap into and begin to believe in your God-given potential and purpose. That's right, baby. We want you to not only be inspired, but experience breakthrough. And we do that on this podcast by interviewing incredible people who are using their experiences, their skill set, their platforms to have a game-changing impact in the lives of others. And here's the thing. None of these folks are simply sitting back, living a life of leisure. They have things to do, places to go, and lives to impact. Speaking of that, Jennifer Carroll has always been a storyteller her whole life, but she believes that the story she's telling now is the one that deserves to have a massive impact. She wants to tell men and women that your health is the most important thing because you can't make the impact that you desire to have in the world if you are six feet under. But Jennifer grew up with a loving family who gave her the foundation of a strong value-based upbringing and she always had coaches and mentors in her life, beginning with her figure skating coach as a child. But it was her late husband, entrepreneur Phil Carroll, who taught her the most, both the good and the bad. She says he had the most positive attitude in the world and chose to live a very forward-moving, impactful life. He also lived as if he were invincible, and this was his greatest attribute, but unfortunately also part of his demise. Phil didn't make time to go see doctors and get checked up and have an annual physical. And as a result, he ignored the early symptoms of prostate cancer and tragically passed away at a very young age. With the support of another mentor, speaking coach Joel Weldon, Jennifer is now on a mission to share her story and encourage other people to share their stories because she knows that our stories are individual stories, not the stories of those that we love, but each and every one of us, our individual stories, have the potential to have a massive impact on others. Jennifer shares that Phil made his first million in his 20s and he made his first widow in her 40s. This is an incredibly powerful, inspirational message, an important message, an important conversation. So bust out your pens and paper, bust out some tissue, be sure to take some notes, embrace for impact, with the incredible Jennifer Carroll. Jennifer Carroll, welcome to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. Very excited to have you and to share your story and to to tap into how you are living life these days and the impact you're having in the lives of others and how you're coaching people to go beyond invincible. Yes, beyond invincible. The name of my book. Thank you very much. It's so nice to meet you, Mike. Yeah, you as well. So we always begin at the beginning with our 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 guest origin story. Were they the people that were around them through their 
childhood years, their their adolescence that really shaped them, that helped mold them into who they are today. So who were some of the the biggest influences in your life? It could be parents, it could be pastors, it could be, you know, community members. Who were some of the people in your life? Well, my parents certainly. I do often say I won the parent lottery. They really, they're still alive and well, been married, I think 55 years coming up this summer. And we're Canadian. I'm originally Canadian and grew up in Canada and just had really remarkable parents that, uh, you know, raised us well and gave us a good foundation of, of a strong value based upbringing. So that was amazing. And I'm still really, really close with my parents. Then I was also a competitive figure skater. You know, in Canada, you know, you don't, you don't get a bike, you get a pair of skates, right? So everybody <laughs> skates. So I was a figure skater and I had a coach that was just another incredible mentor for me. And I was, I always thrived under great leadership. And I've always at a very young age recognized the importance of having a coach and having guidance from people and, and connecting with people that could help show us our way and, and guide us through these, these, you know, meandering through these uphill climbs of life, which are inevitable, right? And then I met this crazy entrepreneur <laughs> who had a huge impact, as I see your hat braced for impact. Oh gosh, I don't know if I was quite braced for that impact of this amazing entrepreneur. But my late husband, Phil Carroll, was really a, an incredible man. He really was a great mentor. He was a friend. I had tremendous respect for him. And he just literally saw the world through rose-colored glasses. He had the most positive attitude in the world. The guy didn't gossip about anyone. He just chose to really live a very forward-moving, impactful life. And he was and has proven since his loss that he is beyond invincible. Like he mm. thought he was invincible. He lived his life as if he was invincible. And it was the greatest asset and attribute he had. However, at the end, it was part of his demise because he didn't really believe in going to doctors. He kind of thought he had it all covered. And so as a result, he ignored symptoms and sadly passed away with prostate cancer at a very young age. But he was a huge impact on my life. And I, and it's really what part of my story. It's interesting you start in that way because when you have these really significant people in your life that you love wholeheartedly and you sort of wrap your life around and you really allow to guide you and mentor you and, and love you and, and become just kind of a little bit of your everything. You know, I mean, I don't know if he completed me. I'm learning more and more on this journey of being alone that you really can't reach out and find something outside of yourself to complete you. But he was my sanctuary, but he mm -hmm. was also my trampoline. Mm -hmm. And that's a great balance to look for in a in a you know whole, wholehearted loving relationship. And I had it, and I'm really recognizing as time goes on that I was very blessed to have experienced that kind of love and that true love. Because I don't think everybody is you know has that, and so I'm very grateful that I had that. But it's been interesting. It's been a very tough journey, really rediscovering myself without this really important person in my life. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of my story now, you know, how I found Jennifer really for the first time in her life as myself and, and realizing that in fact, I can 
find a place and, and find happiness and find myself as a hero. Cause I, yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and we're going to, we're going to spend most of our time talking about how you have reframed, rediscovered your purpose, re repurposed your purpose, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> recycled. Yeah. Recycled your purpose because, you know, things, things change, you know, we're all created with one unique purpose, but the way that we can express it can change and will change oftentimes many times throughout our life. And I want to talk about Phil and how you guys met, but you mentioned your parents and you mentioned your figure skating coach. And I'd love to learn a little bit more about both those sets of people. So your parents, were they entrepreneurs themselves or? Nope. Dad was a doctor. Mom was a model and teacher. And kind of have to say they sort of had their mindset on the fact that their kids were going to, you know, ha- going, they were going to go to university. That was not a choice. And they had, you know, we want to let you have options. Like you, you can go to medical school or you can become a lawyer. You decide. And <laughs> yeah, you know, they, they're very open. No, but they really wanted us to have a good education. And yeah. I was not going to be either of those things. So I actually went into journalism. I was a writer. That was my creative outlet. I was a speed, you know, I was a never shut up. And I decided that I was going to tell stories for the rest of my life. So I went into broadcast journalism at Arizona State University. And they were very supportive. And honestly, they chuckle that that's the degree I got. But it was not, I'm not a doctor and I'm not a lawyer. My sister's a lawyer. My brother's a doctor. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> they got their doctor and lawyer. And I'm, I was the oldest leading the charge. And I was the one that just is the storyteller. Yeah, you're, you're, you're forging your own path. So did, what, did, they, they, did they give you uh, room to dream as a kid? Yes. Yes, definitely. They, it was kind of... I mean, I'm a professional daydreamer. Uh, and I was my whole life. And yes, they definitely, I mean, there was not, not a lot of, I mean, we just, we just had a great life as a kid. They really allowed us to just dream. And, you know, we really were, had, you know, free spirits. And we were, I was a competitive figure skater. I was, lived a fairly disciplined life, but had a very, very, I don't know. Like I said, I feel like I won the parent lottery. Like I have no complaints about our lives. We would, my dad was a hilarious, he was a, he was a surgeon, but he was also just so into nature. And we'd go on nature hikes and he'd point out every single lizard and every single bird. And we did kind of just have, we were able to just explore nature and travel. And, you know, even though they were very educated, they just loved to you know, get us out in the world and let us just experience as much as we could and, and discover what it is that we wanted to, you know, do. I mean, and my brother ended up going to the exact profession as my dad. So he obviously grew up admiring my dad because he really walked in his in his footsteps. Right. Totally. And then you you've mentioned a couple times your figure skating and you and you talked about your coach being one of the big influences in your life. And I think coaching in general, especially with really good coaches, is one of the ways to accelerate growth, both professionally, personally, spiritually, et cetera. So what, when you look at your figure skating coach, what were some of the lessons that he or she taught you that you still carry forward today? Gosh, you're taking me back a ways. But so, 
just on that, I'm going to take that question. I'm going to tweak it a bit because I'm going to jump in a little bit closer to my age to another coach because I've always had coaches. I've always had athletic coaches. I've always had training coaches. But I also, when I started public speaking, I had a coach mentor, Joel Weldon, who has been my coach for the last 15 years. And honestly, he's been, he knew my husband, Phil. He's been there at his funeral. He has been there to coach me through my my, my evolution of stories. Is he the I can guy? Yes. Success. Here we go. Success comes in cans, not cannot. (laughs) (laughs) And so I wanted, even though my figure skating coach had a great impact on my life and taught me great skills on discipline and wit and, and creative expression and music and just the power of physicality and, and the importance of setting goals and, and, and dealing with falls and getting back up and, re, you know, and forging head. Joel Weldon is truly one of my greatest mentors. And I say that now because he has led me through this transition of being Phil's wife and having that a huge part of who I was, wife, mother, to having a voice and giving me the confidence to use my storytelling skills and to go out and have an impact and Mm -hmm. to recognize that, you know, I have stories that can entertain and inspire and empower people to truly not only change their lives, but potentially save their lives. And through his guidance, I've spoken all over the world to big organizations. And he really has given me, or I have, through his coaching, had the confidence to get in front of a bigger and bigger audience. And he actually led me to join the Genius Network, which is Joe Polish's uh, collection of (laughs) creative marketing unicorns that are... It's really an amazing organization. And so that... I just have to give kudos to Joel Weldon as probably other than Phil, one of my greatest mentors. And he continues to mentor me every day. What is one of the greatest fears that Joel has helped you navigate through? That my personal story is as important as Phil's story. That my personal story of resilience and rediscovery can have as big of an impact as Phil's story, which is of valuing health, number one. Mm -hmm. I get that story. I watched a man in his late 40s go from this young, friggin' (laughs) athletic driver, just a conqueror of the world, turn into a 90-year-old dying man and be taken from us because of cancer. And I, you know, he never went to the doctor. And I really want to impact on, you know, men and women to just value health number one. Because you know what? You can't scale up your businesses, you can't make impact your children, you can't be a better husband, you can't be a better mentor and coach and friend if you're six feet under. And it Bill made his first million in his 20s and he made his first widow in her 40s. And I share that story and I have great passion and intention. And I feel very driven to share that story to not only bring significance and meaning to Phil's life as this incredible man and entrepreneur, but also to bring impact to his death. But Joel has given me the confidence to recognize that my story of resilience and rediscovery, Jennifer's Mm -hmm. story of how I've got to this next stage in my life can also have a great impact on people, on how 
in life, what happens to us happens for us. And it's not what happens to us, it's what we do with what has, has happened to us that really makes all the difference and mm-hmm. that can make an impact and to sit silently with these stories inside us that can help change and impact lives is a disservice to humanity that we can have that impact and that our mess can be our message and our test, our testimony. And so I'm really on a mission and a passion to share those stories and, and have that creative outlet, but also have the impact on others. My friends, I hope you are all aware that Master the Key has been out for several weeks and is continuing to have a transformational impact in the lives of those who read it, including Matt, who left a review on Amazon that says, this is definitely one of the best books I've ever read. I've never read any book that has made me cry. I think everyone can relate to the universe the author created and to the emotional journey of the lead character. This book gave me tools to explore a deeper meaning of life, who I am, and who I am meant to be. It's one of those books that you can't put away. I read it in one day. Looking forward to more books from this author. Thank you so much, Matt. And you can head over to Amazon, hit pause on this episode, head over to Amazon, and pick yourself a a copy or two of Master the Key. And then when you are done reading it or giving it away to someone you love and care about, be sure to head back to Amazon and leave a review, an honest review of how the book has touched your life. Now, back to the show. I want to pause and acknowledge you for the bravery of of doing that because it would be really easy to just have what what psychologists refer to as an identity identity foreclosure and just you know fold up shop so to speak mentally emotionally and just identify as only this widow of a of a successful forty year old entrepreneur who who lost his life and. Uh, to something that could have been caught earlier and treated, probably, you know, and so it could be really easy just to fold up shop that way. And you, and I, there's no doubt in my mind that you've worked, done the hard work, and continue to do the hard work to to keep those doors open. And one of the the things that comes across clear in what how you just the story you just shared and, the, and what you just mentioned is is your passion. And I use that word very specifically because of the meaning of the word. The meaning of the word passion is the willingness to suffer for something. Mm. It first appeared in, during the passion of Christ, right? So mm. it's the willingness to suffer, the willingness to sacrifice, the willingness to lay your life down for the service of others. And you are laying your life down. It's hard to relive what you have done, but it's only through reliving it that you've rebuilt yourself and you're helping other people in that same time. So just a big virtual high five to you. Mike, thank you. And I know you're all about owning and living your story. I am. And I think if I could paraphrase what you asked me before, I, through, through my... You know my efforts, but also through the, the advice of my mentors and and all my jo- Joel Weldon and my parents, and I have come to be vulnerable enough to own my story, my story, 
mm-hmm. and not just share someone else's story, but own my story. We all lose our way, right? We mm-hmm. all lose our way. It's just an inevitable part of life is that we lose our way. And it's, I, I, I share this story about how years ago I was in the London Heathrow Airport, that crazy, busy airport. Have you been to London Heathrow Airport? No, no. Oh my gosh. It's like a city in itself. It's one of the biggest, busiest airports. And I was there with Phil. And in amongst this just super highway of people, I, I just noticed this man, this small man. And he was looking down and he was looking up and he just seemed very lost. And I, I was drawn to him partly because I recognized him. And I didn't know how initially until we locked eyes and he meandered through the crowds and he reached out and he put his hand up and he said, hello, I'm Deepak Chopra. Oh, oh no, no. I'm like, I knew I knew you. It was Deepak Chopra, like one of the most enlightened spiritual leaders, like authors and speakers. I mean, he's just, and there he stood and I started going all fangirl on him and I'm bitten and telling him how amazing I do his meditations, took a few pictures. And then he said, thank you very much. But could you help me? I've, I've lost my way. I, I can't. And so we looked at his ticket and realized he was in the wrong terminal. I said, let's just go down the hall, get on a tr- tr- commuter train. You're just going to get it. You'll go to Terminal C. And we watched as Deepak Chopra like disappeared into the crowd. And I looked at my husband. I'm like, uh, do you get what just happened? We just showed Deepak Chopra his way. <laughs> the <laughs> metaphor of it. And it's sort of that, I use it as kind of a joke, but it's a metaphor for the fact that we all lose our way. Mm-hmm. Chopra loses his way in this journey of life. Like, where do we go? What do we do? How do we get there? And I have felt that so tremendously in the last six years since I lost my way. When I lost my husband and, and this sort of life I'd known, I lost my way. And so how do we, how do we find our way when we hear the words, I'm leaving. I don't love you anymore. You're bankrupt. Your son has autism. You have stage four prostate cancer and you're fighting for your life. Like these are those tough questions that we have to figure out how to find our way. And one of the things that I believe in, and it is how I found my way, is that sometimes we just have to ask for help. And you said passion is from, comes from suffering. Mm -hmm. ask means appreciate someone's knowledge Mm -hmm. you know how great it is to feel appreciated give that gift to someone else and reach out and ask for help i know entrepreneurs don't do that very often because they take care of everything they take care of their their businesses their staff their wives their families they 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 got it they got it ahead they're invincible i got Mm -hmm. this right Mm -hmm. ask for help can sometimes make all the difference and i look back to my late husband phil and he, I wished he'd asked for help at a time in his life where he had symptoms and he didn't understand, but he needed to ask for help. He needed to reach out and go and get checked. And he might be walking his daughter down the aisle or watching his son play professional hockey, but sadly he's not. And so that's a big message that I'm really trying to get out there, that we need to ask for help and be vulnerable and recognize that, it, that, that, that misconception that to give help is strong and strength, you know, and power. And to ask for help is a side of weakness. It is not. It is vulnerable. It could make all the difference to just appreciate someone's knowledge and reach out and get help if you need that help. And I've done that. I've done that. I've reached out and to my mentors, 
and to my family and friends. And that is how I've been able to meander through this tough journey is just by holding on to my people and my pastors and my my mentors and my coaches and my and it's been a huge part of getting through this is just through the people and the connections that I've made. Yeah, connection is a huge thing. And and in my book that I master the key, the, the last piece of the key is community, which you know you could oh. swap out. You could you could talk about connection there. And it's this wild that you know there's there's three things that make up a really great community wild curiosity, collaboration, and correction. And one of the things that you mentioned before earlier, which I loved, and you mentioned this about how what what the role that Phil played for you. You said something, and then you said he was also my trampoline. Mm-hmm. And I loved that analogy. You know, I love that visual because when was the last time you anyone was ever on a trampoline and not having the the time of their life? I know. You know. And, but why does that have to stop? And, and if in the event, like, you know, we lose someone that, that is our trampoline, who are the other people that are going to be the trampolines in our life? The people that are wildly curious about us, the people that are eager to collaborate, the people that are willing to and brave enough to correct us when they see us veering off of the path that we are created to be on. And so you just mentioned that connection has been a huge part of your healing and and redefining the purpose that you have for your life you know you're only i mean if you think about it you guys were together for 25 years mm-hmm. the fastest demographic of a growing population in the united states are people turning 100 oh i know i and know so you have a lot of life <laughs> left right i feel that way i have a lot of passion for life, <laughs> using yeah. your word. Yeah. And so if you don't take what you've learned through this process, through the, the, the peaks of the successes and the joys of your marriage to fill and the success of, your, of the business and your two beautiful children who are doing amazing things in the world, and then the valleys of losing him early and now climbing that mountain again, if you don't do that, then the world is missing out on something, right? And so you're, and, but the way to cultivate that is by surrounding yourself with Sherpas to help guide you up that mountain, right? So, oh who, gosh, oh, that so is such a talk cool. about more connection. Talk about the, how connection has played a role in you reframing your purpose. Wow. Okay. So, just the Sherpa and the climbing of a hill. It's, it's so interesting you brought that up. I just literally got a text this morning from my friend in Dharamshala. He's in Dharamshala, which is on the Tibetan border, nestled in the heart of the hymn. I've been to Dharamshala. I did a tour through India. And this is going to go to the connection, but it's just crazy that you brought this up because it leads to this story of the power of connection. And so we went to Dharamshala to meet the Dalai Lama, right? Isn't that what you do when you go to India? You go meet the, or try to go meet the Dalai Lama. Well, we decided we'd try. So we got there and there was this steep cliff going to the top of the ashram of the Dalai Lama. And this old rickety van pulls up and it was literally like just falling apart. It was so out of my comfort. So when we get in this darn van, it's going up this steep, steep hill. There's a cliff on one side, huge potholes. Oh my gosh, literally donkeys pulling trailers with covered and or like, anyway, it was just 
Vespa's buzzing by, three lanes of traffic on a two-lane road. And all of a sudden, as I'm holding on to this open window, trying not to decorate the inside of this van, praying that the darn brakes don't fail before we get to the top, I hear the sound of a bell. And it's the bell of a a pedal bike. Like, how could this be possible? We are barely making it up in this rickety old van and there's a bike. And I look to the cracked side mirror and there is this young monk, his gold red robe shoved between his legs on a pedal bike, pedaling up and he's ringing that bell and he does the most incredible thing. He pulls up right beside our van, like right there. His face is right there in the window and he does something so profound. And this is getting to the point of your connection concept. He reaches out and he holds on. He holds on to our van and we carry him all the way up to the top of his destination. Hmm. And once again, I'm so into these metaphors and the metaphor of that was so profound to me at the time because sometimes in life, when we're climbing our hills and once again, there we are, we're lost and it's dark and there's potholes and there's cliffs and traffic and noise. And oh my gosh, are we going to bottom out? Or can we even, this like seems like an impossible journey. Sometimes all we have to do is just ring that bell and reach out and hold on and hold on to those coaches and those people and our loved ones and even just our, maybe our God. And we just have to hold on just to get around another corner and away from another pothole and away from those cliffs. And we can let go again and we can take ourselves on another leg of the journey. But sometimes all we have to do is hold on. And so those connections, those, we have to reach out and let other strength, other people's strength, other strength carry us through these dark places and not to be afraid and to be vulnerable and recognize that, that is tremendously courageous. Hmm. And that is sometimes what it takes and what makes all the difference. And then we can carry on. But that, just, just talking to me about that. So I really, I went to India. India is a magical place. It's a place, a, a country of contrasts, such poverty, but such richness, such filth and yet such color and beautiful and, and such peace and such noise. But then this in this in this noise is just this tranquility of peace. And it was a magical place and it recognized and helped me understand the importance of connecting. Connecting to a higher self, like truly or help connecting to other people and the importance of sometimes just reaching out and holding on. Mm-hmm. And just having that connection because that can get us through these dark times and these places where we feel lost and it can get us, you know, around mm-hmm. another corner. And I did meet the Dalai Lama, by the way. <laughs> oh, you did? What was that like? I did meet the Dalai Lama. It was crazy. We had about half an hour. He's a very funny man. He is darling. We talked a lot about the environment. And then my daughter at the time was 19. She said, how do I make a difference in this world as a young 20 year old, he looked, he leaned in and he said, Jessica, you must preach that we are one without borders or judgment. We must preach that we are one without borders or judgment. So that is kind of a mantra of the Carroll family. You know, when the Dalai Lama looks you in the eye and reaches in and tells you that it kind of Mm -hmm. sticks, but isn't that profound? Mm -hmm. Because we are all one and we are on this journey. And none of us, not one of us, is insulated from challenge and chaos and even catastrophe. And we do feel lost. But I have come to realize the importance and significance of asking, appreciating someone's knowledge and reaching out and and connecting with people and just holding on sometimes. 
This episode is brought to you by the Lawton Marketing Group, a full-service advertising and design agency specializing in websites, social media, apps, logos, and more. Based in Oklahoma, they work with clients across the nation from small businesses to large corporations and everything in between. You can find them right now on the web at www.lawtonmg.com or call them at 580-275-2063. Connect with them now for a complimentary competitive analysis of your website. Just tell them the Impact Entrepreneur told you to call. Every time you go out and speak and run your retreats, you are taking risk. You are stepping to the edge of your comfort zone because it, it's not comfortable doing what you're doing. I mean, no one wants to stand on a stage and talk about the importance of going and, and having a, a physical and getting, getting your health in order because it should be just a given. But unfortunately, it's not. And I know many people who have died prematurely, died young because they didn't go to the doctor, you know, for a simple checkup. Something felt wrong and they didn't go despite the, you know, urging of their family members, their loved ones, and and they they passed, you know. And and so you're you're stepping out on the precipice of your comfort zone every time. What is the most surprising thing? you've learned or things you've learned about yourself and your capacity in the process of stepping out on the edge of what your comfort zone is? That's a good question. So biggest thing I've learned, because Phil was an entrepreneur. He was the entrepreneur of the family. I wrote books. I wrote children's books for a long time. <laughs> a whole other world. And then I started sharing these stories. And it came very easily because I was talking to an audience of men mostly, but entrepreneurs. And I knew them. I necessarily wasn't one. I have become one. <laughs> but I wasn't necessarily one. But I was married to you for 25 years. Like I got you. <laughs> so I just felt extremely comfortable sharing stories. And when I shared my stories with a room full of entrepreneurs, women and men, I was talking every time to Phil. I was looking in Phil's eyes and I was trying to get through that stubborn, I can handle everything mentality to get to him so that he would make choices that would keep, you know, allow him to be in the audience listening to me. And what I learned through my experience with sharing Phil stories and then evolving it into sharing my stories is that they mattered and they continue to matter. And, and I think that's where your story comes in, that we all have stories. Mm-hmm. We all have stories. And I, I challenge your listeners, when you're in an Uber next time, strike up a conversation with the Uber driver and Ask them, tell me your story. Oh, just and listen to their stories. And there is not a story out there that doesn't have a slight impact on you. And recognize that you might. I, I was a, I was a news reporter, turned wife, mother, desperate housewife, author, speaker. But I talked to kids at schools about illuminating their dreams, and and I was married to this entrepreneur, and I. 
And, and then he died and I started sharing his stories. But you know what? My stories are having impact. Mm-hmm. My stories are having impact. Mine, the latest story is that I, by sharing my story, I had this man come up to me a lot just a, 10 days ago and tell my daughter and I, because my daughter Jessica and I uh, speak together and share our stories. And he said, you know, I heard you speak. And a couple of days before I heard you speak, I had to get some blood work done because I was getting new insurance. And he told me I had an elevated PSA. You know, I'm in my late 40s. I'm in great shape, you know, yada, yada, yada. Didn't think a thing of it. You spoke. You told your, you know, your story and you brought up your husband's story. The fact that he died at 52 of prostate cancer and that how was, wasn't there to take his, walk his daughter down the aisle and not watch his son play hockey and professional hockey and... I went in the next week and I got checked. I found out I had stage one prostate cancer. He said, I've been test checked. I've, I've, I've been treated and I am now a cancer survivor. And I, I want to share with you that I don't think I would have done that. I don't think I would have done that if I hadn't heard your story. So thank you. And in the, that moment, I recognized that, you know what? These stories, yes, that was my husband's, but our stories that we have in our lives that we might hold in and think, oh, someone else has another story. Like, oh my gosh, this person, you know, suffered more than me. But you know what? Hurt is hurt and stories are stories. And share your stories because they can have an impact. Mm-hmm. There's different forms of currency. There's income and there's impact. And mine is impact. Mm-hmm. My passion behind sharing my stories is to resonate and impact. And even to women. Not just to, I'm now talking to women about rediscovering what turns them on because that's what I'm on the journey of figuring out myself Mm -hmm. (laughs) that Jennifer wants to do now in this leg of her life. And on that journey, I've decided that I'm going to put on these women's retreats and share with other women things that I discovered about myself that I'm, that are turning me on and, and, and rediscovering my fun, fab, frisky self and I'm hoping that it'll also illuminate their themselves as well on that journey. And that's another thing that you and Jessica, your daughter, are doing together. We are. So Jessie does this. She does it called the Yes Life. And she does workshops every couple of weeks for more millennials, but it's called Master Your Morning, Master Your Life. So she teaches morning rituals of how to get up in the morning, meditate, how to eat properly, how to... And she does these rituals and she teaches them over four hour and value-based goal setting, even just for the day. And she does that with these millennials. And then she also does it at my retreats or our retreat. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so funny because you know now you and Jessica are having this opportunity to collaborate. Mm-hmm. You, you're able to take your shared suffering and, and, the, and the word compassion means shared suffering. So you're you're able to take the, the the compassion that you have for each other and the the message that you're able to share and impact in the world and you're able to 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 do great things together. What does that mean to you? What's the thing you're most grateful for about that? Well, I'm grateful and I'm going back to my parents and why I feel like my parents I won the parent lot is because I had I had memories with my parents. I did things with my parents. I, you know, I had, sh- I, and I still do. And I love the fact that even though I had these parents that I respected and looked up to, they were my friends and they continue to still be my friends. And I travel all over with them and do things with them. And I, I love that. I love that about my kids. I love that Jesse and I can do things together, not only 
as mother daughter, but also friends and also now like business partners, like we're mm-hmm. doing collaborations together. So it's, and my son and I have an equally great relationship. I'm not on the ice freaking <laughs> scoring goals with him, but I'm the fan in the, in the audience cheering him on. But it is nice to have a great, healthy sort of friendship relationship with your kids as well, which I really value. Before we go into the final uh, questions that I ask of every guest, I want to go back to the to the the losing. Everybody loses their way at times. So, what are if someone is listening to this and they feel a little bit lost? They don't know what terminal they're in. They don't know where they are on the map. What are some steps that they should take to begin to assess? where they are and where they should be going. Should be. Shoulda, coulda, woulda, right? I think that the first thing is not shit on themselves. <laughs> Quit shitting on themselves because that's probably one of the biggest things. I think be kind to themselves. Try to stay as positive as they can. That's probably number one. Stay positive. The second thing I think is, you know, two steps forward, one step back, meaning Motion is a step in the right direction. And don't, it doesn't have to be grand steps. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to race to the top of the mountain. Take their time and recognize that motion is one step at a time and to just go easy on themselves. And, and then I think back to my ask for help. Like, don't, we are not alone on this journey. It feels alone. I, I, you know, I lost my husband, so I feel alone at times. But people are alone, even in the, being in a relationship. People can feel alone. They feel under, lost, understood, misunderstood. So just recognize that you're not alone. There is someone you can ask for help, and it will give them a gift of appreciation. So don't mm. be afraid to reach out and hold on to your vans, because there are vans driving by you. So those would be my three things. Mm-hmm. I love that. When, when, um, where can people go online to connect with you and, and to get a copy of Beyond Invincible to learn more about your retreats and, and discover where you might be speaking around them? Yeah. Okay. So jenniferlcarroll.com and it's C-A-R-R-O-L-L. So double R and double L. Jenniferlcarroll.com has got, you can see my speaking reel and, and where I'm speaking. And then there's also a link there to my Illuminate You Retreat or there's IlluminateYouSummit.com. And I'm having, you know, I have several of them through the year. There are a couple two-day summits here in Arizona, sunny Arizona. Right now it's hot as heck, but it's <laughs> 10 months a year. It's fabulous. <laughs> but it is really, um, they're really fun. We do some arts. We do a lot of meditation. We do Tai Chi. We do vision boards. We do do some value-based goal setting. We do a lot of sharing. We do a little burlesque dancing. So it's all these fun things to rediscover what turns you on. Because it's never too late to rediscover yourself. I've learned. <laughs> Have you read the book um, Late Bloomers by Rich Cargill? He's the, the former no, publisher. I've heard it. No, I've yeah, heard he's it. Publisher of Forbes magazine. Yeah, it's a great book. Oh, you actually you okay. actually should get that. And it might be an, a reading assignment for the people that are coming to your retreat. Oh, it's, good one. It's a, okay. it's, a, it's a good book. I mean, it's it's definitely rooted in research and all that stuff, but it's really it's got some really great stories within those pages too. And he was a guest on the Impact Entrepreneur Show as well. So 
another book recommendation for your Thank members you. of your tribe. That's so the good. first question of the three is if you could take any skill set that you currently possess, so a skill you already have, and turn it into a superpower, what would it be? My superpower is that I'm a connector. I am a, I herd unicorns. And everyone's a unicorn. We all have are a mix of ma- motion and magic. And I would just herd my unicorns together and enable them or empower them to recognize the importance of play. Mm-hmm. That we need to learn to play. That we have to have joy. Joy in our lives is very important. There's all these. There's all this pressure on us to succeed. But having a joyful heart and a wholehearted love of self and others, that's what I'd love to do is just corral my unicorns and connect them and let's all play together. (laughs) I love it. I love it. What are three lies that we tell ourselves that prevent us from realizing what we're really capable of doing? I think one is that it doesn't matter. My voice doesn't matter. My story doesn't matter. Why would it? Who? So what? Who cares? You know, this, this internal voice of like, that doubt, I think, is is one thing that is just to shut that noise down because it does matter. It does matter. And it could make a huge difference to someone else's life by just sharing your story and owning your story. You know, worry is the misuse of imagination. It's creating something that in most cases doesn't ever happen. So worry is, I know that's said over and over, but worry is really a it's a poison and it needs to be. I, yeah. And then the other lie, you know, is that maybe I'm, I'm, I'm not worthy. Mm-hmm. I'm not worthy. You know, why me? That's just, it's just a lie. You are, you know, be you because everybody else is taken. You yeah. are you. It's truer than true. No one else is more youer than you. And just, you got to love that you. Oh, I love, love that little Dr. Seuss element yeah, that you just threw in there. You know, it's funny. Um, you've mentioned a couple of things, actually, that, that uh, you've mentioned a lot of things that really resonate, but a couple of things that really s- struck me. And I'm just like, so first of all, I believe that before, and I write this in my book, that before you can find your why, you have to remember that you're worthy of one to begin with. And and the second thing you you mentioned earlier is that make time to talk to your Uber driver. And it's so ironic. It's like I mean because the one of the main characters in my book because my book's a fictional story. Oh, it's like a parable. Okay. One of the main characters is based on an experience I had with my Uber driver over a ninety minute period driving from Colorado Springs to Denver. Wow. And uh, he was a Cuban refugee who fled Cuba and his number one mission in life was to be a millionaire real estate investor. And he became an Uber driver because he could turn his car into a mobile university and make money at the same time. No. See, and- I'll tell you, you, those stories are amazing. I've yet to strike up a conversation and think there's a book. You should write a book. Like think about yeah. it. Everybody has a book in them. They do. Everybody does. Everybody does. Cause everybody's Every- stories matter. Right. And it does and matter. We- we don't, we, to go back to your first lie, we, we oftentimes tell ourselves, it doesn't matter. Nobody will care. It's a wasted effort, you know, and that's a big fat lie. Last question. It's a hundred years from now and you've left a set of instructions for a choreographer to come up with a 
a five-minute musical piece, a dance piece that would encompass the, the answer to this question, how will Jennifer Carroll measure her life? What would those instructions include? Multiple mu- different kinds of music. Like mix it up. I want a little salsa. I want it hot and heavy. Then I want to throw in some Viennese, Viennese waltz because I want to just float across the floor and just like I'm on the ice figure skating. And then you got to throw in a little country because you got to mm-hmm. do a little two step in. And then I just want to mix it up. Like it'll be a dance of everything because that is what life is. It's a dance with multi levels, just different paces different, you know, I don't know, just that that's what it would be. And the same partner, but dance with all different kinds of music. That would I be love it. That's just mix it up because that's what life is. It's a uh, it's highs and lows, it's ups and downs, it's fast, it's twirling around. It's just it's a dance. It's a dance with a lot of different elements. And it's but it's fun and you gotta play and you gotta enjoy it and it's gotta have it's gotta resonate with you and it's gotta be something that you would do even if you didn't get paid to do it. So dance life away because it is an awesome it's an awesome opportunity and we it is a good life, but we do feel lost at times. Mm-hmm. And if we can tap into those things that we love and we can that turn us on and and we can be open to love and abundance and trust the outcome, I think that you know this life is a, it's a great journey and it's a great dance. Jennifer Carroll, thank you so much for sharing your message with my audience today. I know that there are people going to be listening to this that are going to be deeply touched by your story and how you are taking your story and your life experiences and paying them forward to have a game-changing impact on the lives of others. So thank you again for spending your morning with us. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Thank you to this week's guest and thank you for listening. If you missed any of the key points and highlights from my conversation, we've got you covered over at theimpactentrepreneur.net forward slash podcast for show notes to each and every episode. And while you are there, check out Flynn Wealth Strategies and Insurance Solutions. You can do that by visiting flynnwealthstrategies.com the Lot Marketing Group and the Podcast Masters. We could not do this show without them and with all of their support. Now, until next time, go make an impact.